0: Welcome in to this week's Ask the Masters podcast and uh, like we did a couple weeks ago, JC and I had sat down and talked about what's new and interesting in the world of pools and social media and that and so this week I got Kevin with me. Hey Kevin, how's it going? Hey, it's going great. Good to be here. Yep. So we are actually recording this on July 5th, um, which I know both you and I came into the offices. It was really a wonderful day because my phone didn't ring one time. I got no text messages. I got no nothing. And I was actually able to plow through quite a bit of work and get quite a bit done today. So um, yeah. No Uh, traffic either, which was awesome. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. That traffic is back with a vengeance that was gone during COVID. So
0: yeah it sure seems like life is opening back up very very quickly at least out here in california i mean it is it's opening up uh with a vengeance to say the least for sure
1: feeling it
0: so um i know i've got some stuff open on my screen let me i'm going to go ahead and share my screen here um uh, i've got some stuff open you've got some stuff open and um Let's kind of just jump in here and see see what we come up with. Um, so uh, first and foremost, um, kind of the biggest story, um, the one of the biggest stories going on in the nation right now is this whole uh, condo collapse happening in Miami. And uh, I know there's been some opinions. We've had some discussions on our Facebook group about it. Um, and um, uh, the guys over at Pool Magazine are really following this super closely. Uh, and so I check in with them. It seems like every day or two they have new information, new article. And uh, Joe and I have been kind of uh, texting back and forth and, and I've been kind of keeping tabs on it. Uh, but, man... Um, it, just the, the tragedy is unspeakable. Uh, I just read, you know, over 20 deaths now have been confirmed and it's just, um, I don't know. I mean, my heart goes out to everybody and, and boy, it, it just, it doesn't look real pretty right now uh, from, from what it's looking like. Uh, so why don't you uh, tell everybody kind of what you have learned and what you know, um, and then we'll just kind of uh, chat back and forth.
1: Well, I have been so busy and I, I've vaguely been following this, but I have been following um, you know on the outer limits of it where it's it's you know there's talk about uh, some of the causes were the pool leakings um, so the, the there was in the report from what I understand is that the, the in the, the engineers report that was from two or three years ago that yeah they, 2018 yeah right they had noted that uh the building had been collapsing at like two millimeters every year or not collapsing but uh sinking every two or two millimeters every year for quite a while and um and there's been talk and i have i have not quite researched what this comes down to but i've seen talk a lot about um about there was not really any soils reports and and um and then recently I kind of just read this article about the develop the original developer seemed to um, possibly be like paying people off to get his thing signed up in the first place wow. and it's uh you know granted this is like a, a 40 year old building and and you know it, I always hear people talk about I've been doing it this way for thirty five years so just wait four, five more years for those things to fail maybe I don't know yeah.
0: Yeah, some of the things that I find really interesting are, um, you know, there's uh, a lot of fingers being pointed at the pool. And um, I know there was one surveillance video from like a building across the street or something, where they were actually able to kind of make out as the building collapsed. And the you know, kind of the lower portion, you could see the lower portion collapsed and then next portion and then the next portion reminds me of how they, you know, implode buildings and when they're doing demo. Right. And it was really interesting. The area kind of right in here close to the pool was kind of the original area that went. Um Now I have talked to some people about this, uh, some people kind of familiar with the area. Um, I actually last week had a a meeting with an architect and an engineer out here and they actually both have offices back there um, very close to this. And they said this particular area is not known for sinkholes um you know that that was uh, one of the big speculations that has been bandied about is that florida is notorious for sinkholes and you know could it be a sinkhole opened up and potentially collapse the building so um you know and, and that's always uh, always a possibility the the thing that is intriguing for me, and the reason why I kind of want to discuss this and and talk about it on our page is that there really there is some finger pointing um, taking place uh, towards the pool and the actual waterproofing and the fact that the the um, the coffer, if you will, the the structural slab underneath the swimming pool, which is how these are normally built when you're building over structure, um, that was poured perfectly flat. And so even though it looks to have been waterproofing, uh, waterproofed many, many years ago, um, the fact that there was no way for that water to actually be able to uh, be evacuated from beneath the pool, um, that's that's potentially a problem because you have 40 or 50 years worth of water sitting on top of waterproofing. You know, w- water is the most amazing thing. It is the, uh, you know, it, it, it brings life, it gives life, uh, but it's also one of the most destructive forces uh, that has ever existed. And so, um, you know, and, and just so I think that that piece of it, whether it turns out that the pool is the final uh, or a contributing factor or has nothing to do with it, um, for our audience uh, especially, I think just the understanding of that is being investigated. And if you're going to be building pools over structure is what we call it, where this pool was over the... um, over the parking garage, there are very specific waterproofing protocols and things that need to be adhered to, and according to this 2018 report, some of those things were not
1: adhered to, which has definitely been causing a problem. And you and I both have extensive experience of building like this, uh, 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 pool structures uh, uh, over living spaces and whatnot, and, and... And I myself have learned from some costly mistakes as to the proper way of doing it and everything, everything you just said it was like it it totally rings true is where you have to have that coffer, it has to be able to drain um, and go somewhere, you know, um, you can't just build a coffer and have no drainage of it because that that pool, regardless of whatever you do to it, it's going to condensate on the outside of it, because it's suspended in air um and and so the compensation needs to go somewhere and um if it's just sitting on the waterproofing for 40 years it's uh it's like you say what water is a destructive thing and we all spend uh our career basically trying to corral this monster of water <laughs> basically and, and not let it do, do damage to to its surrounding environment you know um but uh yeah, I, I would, I would, you know, seeing a lot of the evidence that I have seen in this, I would, I would really have to say that, that the waterproofing did, did have some contributing factor to this for sure, um, over the long term for sure, and, and there may have been other defects in the building too, you know, you know uh, but but you read about, uh, you read about cracks and exposed rebar, and yeah, I mean you can see in that pool equipment room it looks like there's cracks everywhere and. And rust. Yeah, I mean,
0: you can see all the black lines where the
1: rebar is just destroyed, right? Exactly. And, um, you know, it's only going to last so long. And, you know, granted. So, so many, most of our pools that we build across the country are in the ground. And so Mm -hmm. it's like, you don't see some of this, whatever's going on underneath the pool. And, and so if, if you do have a situation like this, that's going on for 40 or 50 years, it may not ever be an issue you never know. You could have a leaking pool for 40 years and it's just leaking enough to seep into the ground and it's never an issue. But, but yeah, when you get into a living space like this and especially with so many lives on the line, it's, it's, uh, it's devastating to see what's happened. So, yep. yeah, we can only hope that this, uh, teaches people, you know, as bad as it is, we have to take some positive out of this. Uh, Yeah.
0: And that's, that's one of the reasons why I still keep coming back to this and why I think it's good for the pool industry as a whole to really put their eyes on this and see, um, you know, see what we can learn. And are there things here that we can learn and take away from this? And, um, you know, as, as tragic as this is, um, you know, I'd love to see our, industry and, and our peers um, kind of sit back and take notice. And, and um, like I said, um, even if we find out that the pool had nothing to do with it, we do understand that there were major problems with the pool itself. Right. Maybe not enough to bring down the entire structure, but the problems with the pool, uh, this gives us an opportunity to uh, point those out and learn from them. All right, so let's turn the corner here. Um, this was a really intriguing conversation. Um, I know you have the original. Why don't you share your screen um, with the original <clears throat> post? This is about shotcrete and blowpipe, and um, this was a this was an intriguing conversation. And um, yeah, I really I got quite a bit out of this. Um, uh, and it, so the original conversation that you're looking for um, was talking about the use of a blowpipe in shotcrete, um, wet or dry mix. And then Paula was so gracious enough, he came back and actually even, um, yeah, let me see if I can.
1: I'm trying to figure out how to share my screen. <laughs> Select, let share it. That's what I said that right there, but it's when I share my screen, I'm, I'm just sharing you. Oh, um, Wait, well, it? Yeah.
0: yeah, it should give you um, multiple options. But like I said, this was a great video um, kind of showing the proper use of a blowpipe. And uh, you can tell from here, this is a gunite mix, and uh, they're properly bringing the the shotcrete material out onto the floor. And the guy standing there with a a wand, basically blowing all of the sand and cement and all the garbage off uh, to make sure that all of that is not getting blown right back into the actual structure itself. Um, Here's another... Uh, another great example of it. You can see in this one, he's just kind of chasing the guy around and he's blowing all of the debris off of the steel, uh, just keeping everything kind of clean and clear. And uh, and that was a great shot right there. You could see as he's going across the top, you could actually see it blew a bunch of the debris right off the top.
1: Um, Paul had had stated that this was one of his jobs with one of the companies he uses that he did took the video for so um, yeah so okay at, interesting
0: I, conversation go ahead there you now, go
1: there you go okay
0: <laughs> i figured it out oh that was the original post i had forgotten yes
1: yeah so this 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 started out and i was in on this this original conversation on this other page uh shot uh, shot creek pools or gunite pools i can't remember what the it's a new page that i just joined, but. Um, uh, Dennis Mitchell who who is is active member on a lot of the pages is a retired engineer that knows a lot about our our, um, our profession and he kind of chimed in on on some guys that were in there uh, just uh, you know promoting their work and, and, and uh, showing off. showing off and yet they had a lot of flaws showing in in their video <laughs> things that we that we teach you, is not good to do when you're applying shotcrete. you know having standing water and and uh your, your rebar is not supported well enough so the, so the shotcrete crew is stomping the rebar into the dirt and and um and i believe they they also uh uh they weren't exactly shooting the cove first they were kind of shooting up high before they had completed the cove and 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 um
0: and yeah, and, and let's talk has, a little bit about why that is such a problem. Because as they're building that wall up, everything is just collapsing down into the floor, and right. so you're not getting any sort of structure or meat to the
1: floor. So, yeah, and, uh, and into the cove as well. And then they shoot on top of that loose structure, the loose material, um, thinking that it's just going to compact it by shooting on top of it. But it's it's really uh, you know, it's kind of what 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 we we preach is to uh, to shoot that cove and three feet out from the walls to start, so that you have a landing area for your rebound to get get it, get onto that three feet space, and that you can toss that out of the pool right away. Um, I've come to learn that it's generally, you know, we're shooting uh, 30 to 40 yard pools on average, and and um, generally, I've found it's about a 10% waste factor that we throw out if we're actively pursuing getting every little bit of that out of there. Um, doing it using this process with the three foot floor shot first and, and the cove. Um, and and so I, I, I think that's what you're doing. It, it, every, it's, it's pretty well known that the Shot industry lacks more than anything <laughs> in, in our industry in general, you know, that the, the Shot Creek crews or lack in the education there's a lot of people out there that you know are able to fake it long enough to get to get out there and get pools made but um again it's like what happens 10 years from now is a different story
0: right or even 10 months i mean that's the thing so many of these right. uh Shot Creek crews never come back and and see uh, i'm going to steal the screen back to you uh back from you um and Uh, So there's this post that I made uh, a week ago, um, which is pretty relevant. And this is talking all about um, how we on our bigger jobs, we actually pour our floors first. And what it allows us to do is uh, so day one, we poured everything and then day two, we started building out the wall. So this is the current project that we are on right now. And you can see uh, this is all shot in here and we were able to pull all of the trimmings off. We threw a bunch of plastic down. And so all of this is just loose garbage, uh, essentially. And so the idea with, uh, you know, you don't always have the ability to, you um, Pour your floor first. It doesn't make sense uh, from a financial perspective on many jobs. But uh, what you were talking about is is building that cove out and, and coming out that three to five feet so that you've actually got a good solid structure there. Uh, it, it allows you to have the same opportunity. Uh, so as the material drops down on there, you can have the guys, um, you know, the the, the air lance is blowing it and aggregating it, and then you have another guy in there shoveling rebound and and taking it all out. So, um, you know, it's really, it's it's uh, it's definitely. Something that the industry as a whole does not do a whole lot. Um, you know, even as you looked through the comments um, in that discussion, a lot of people had never even heard of it, you know, guys that have been 10 years plus 15 years and never had anybody with an air lance or a blowpipe or anything on their jobs. Um, so that's, that's one of the goals that we have is just continuing to um, expose everybody to proper practices and things like that.
1: That's, it's something I've only been doing for the last few years per, personally. And, and, uh, you know, for so, so many years I watched, um, shot, and gun eye crews build out corners by hand, build out steps and benches by hand. And, and yet I had kind of seen articles on, on it, how that's where failures happen all the time. And, and, um, you know, it, it never seemed to happen to me or at least i was too far down down the road before it happened and nobody ever contacted me about it but once i saw the light i really you know one of one of the biggest turnarounds i've had in my career is in the last five years about what i've learned about Creed and its application and um it, it truly is one of the biggest biggest things in our industry that that really needs improvement across the board i think so
0: yeah, you and I have the benefit of working real closely with Grant Smith from Aqualink Pools, and and he is a concrete master and understands this. And and um, I would say similar for myself. Um, I have learned so much in the past five, probably about five years, about proper application of shotcrete and um, just just little details like um, you know the top of a beam right here. You know, so many times they will uh, the shotcrete nozzle men will bring it up, you know, 99% and then just leave it that, you know, half inch, three quarters of an inch low. Uh, and then as he's, you know, pulling his knife across the top, he's grabbing some and he's building out and, and kind of throwing it in the corner and that. And, you know, they never really see the problems that that raises afterwards, but you can come back in and, and, you know, hit that with a hammer. Um, Really where I started really kind of learning about this is when we started doing a lot of all tile pools and Jimmy Reed would come in and he would run around with a, you know, a hammer or a chain or something. And he's like, this has got to come out. This has got to come out. This has got to come out because he has to warranty his tile work and he's not going to adhere to something that is not properly bonded. And so once I, Once I wrapped my head around all of that and and what was causing it, you know, yes, it's a pain in the butt. Um, There is additional cleanup. And that is uh, just something that I think people don't necessarily factor in. But like, um, like I was saying, on these beams right here, we actually have them overshoot it. And we have them shoot it, you know, an inch higher or whatever. And then I want the entire beam cut and everything gets thrown on the floor or gets thrown out the body of the pool. That's just that that is what it is. and, and, uh, does it create more waste than a, a normal guy who's shoveling that back in? Absolutely, uh, and there's more expense to that, but at the end of the day, you have a much better
1: structure. Hey, let me point out something else in your picture too that I learned from you specifically is uh, your forms are a couple feet higher than what you're actually shooting, and that, yeah. and that creates a back, backstop for, for the shot creek because I think a lot of the time shot creek guys they're sticking their hand over the nozzle so that they're not shooting off the top of the top of the bomb beam and wasting a bunch off the back, but you have your backboard up there a couple of feet above it that it's it's sending all the rebound back onto your already finished floor and you're not losing a ton out the back. And and it's probably getting a lot better compaction at the, at the top of the beam is where, the, where most of the failures happen, too, anyway, so.
0: Yeah, and and the reason we started doing that is really because um, we do all of our forming in-house now, and I learned this from uh, concrete guys, um, that they'll actually just run these wild and run them long. And then um, we literally go to Home Depot and buy three-quarter by three-quarter inch square stock, um, just like molding for... Uh, like floor molding, and we we go along with a laser, and we just um, use a little brad nailer and nail that in, uh, so that the shotcrete guy actually has a place he can uh, he, he places his knife on the top uh, and literally just cuts it right across, and it creates a very nice clean interface. Plus we're not having to worry about, hey, our forms have to be perfectly level. and That was always the struggle that we had and, and what took so much time is making sure the top of our forms were perfect and dead money and everything. And, and then if they got off a little bit or we had to make an adjustment, uh, everything would get wonky again. Uh, but once we started doing this, you can't see here, um, but on pools where we've got undulating uh, surfaces and that, our form boards are not really clean on the top. They'll be all over the place and we don't even care about that. We just get them all in there, and then we uh, come back in and, and put the molding in there as the guide for the Shot Creek guys, and they like it too. It gives them, a, you know, like I said, a nice piece of wood, the rest along, and then they cut the top of their beams, and everything just turns out much, much cleaner.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: All right, so um, on Friday, I had posted this question. Uh, send me pictures of things that make you go, wow. Uh, and some real interesting uh, photos that came in. I really like this one from Jamie Scott. Yeah. The, uh, right. uh, yeah. I mean, I, you could just sit and study this photo for you know, hours and you would not pick all the nuances up. I mean, just so so many
1: many many. corners all converging into one spot. Yeah.
0: And for those of you who wonder why these are so expensive, uh, you know, I I'd love to ask Amy how uh, Luke and Amy, how long this, this section right here took, I bet this section took the better part of a week or two to, to make all of this come together. There's Uh, just so much intricacy and work there. Uh, Let me scroll through. Uh, Just unbelievable detail work. I I love seeing master tile work. This is just stunning.
1: I believe he said he cut that out of actual 24 karat gold.
0: yeah, we actually had a client that uh, did 24 karat gold in a fountain in uh, Bel Air uh, a number of years ago, and, and he actually wanted the entire thing in 24 karat gold. And I remember when we gave him the price and not a very big fountain, uh, it was like uh, three foot around with a a, a runnel on it and it was like. I don't know, a few hundred thousand dollars. He's like, oh, let's just do the bowl. Uh, And so we did, you know, white glass everywhere else and then just the bowl. And even that was like, you know, 40 or $50,000 or something crazy. Uh, Let's see what else. Um, There was a really cool one. Um, This was an intriguing, where did it go? Uh, oh, Carrie uh, posted this. Uh, so, have you seen these? Um, this is a mod pool, uh, and the, I've not the, the seen
1: uh, person. But I've been seeing them all over the internet for sure.
0: Yep. Yeah, we've been in the middle of trying to get one permitted down here in Orange County for the better part of a year, and and the county of Orange just has no idea what to. Think about it. I mean, they they just they cannot wrap their head around it, uh, and so it's it's been a real challenge. Uh, and so I called up Carrie, and she gave me some some pointers on it. Uh, but you know, I mean, it's a it's definitely an intriguing um, concept. And they come all pre-plumbed. Uh, you can see there's a bench down here. Uh, the The doors open on the end there, uh, and all of the equipment is tucked underneath. So it's literally plug and play. Um, it's a uh, it's it I, I haven't actually spoken with anybody that put one
1: in yet and so
0: uh
1: Kerry was the first it's very much like the Bradford and Diamond Spas and Nest Spa you know it's just uh it's probably a little bit less expensive than those two so
0: well except for the fact that it comes and it literally drops in I mean it's more like a spa pack all you okay. literally do is you bring a water line to it an electrical line to it and that's it it's a done deal all right, tell me about this um, because that is uh, you. You just kind of dropped this here, and then just didn't really even support it. Um, you know, uh,
1: <laughs> it was uh, it, I worked with uh, this this mosaic artist um, on about five different projects, I think, in the last twenty years, um, maybe twenty five years. Because yeah, the, the very first project we did, I think, was around 93 maybe um and uh this one was like in the uh early 2000s and and i i was actually at the time i was i was a pool plumber and electrician and that's pretty much all i did on this pool is i did all the plumbing and um and the electrical work um and i don't back then i did not take enough photos So i might i might have a paper photograph of my pool equipment set, but, um, but this was like, I just remember that, that this was just one of the most amazing, um, pieces of art. And I, I, I watched it go in just slowly piece at a time. And, and, um, uh, this, this mosaic, uh, artist, uh, Rick scale, is his name. Um, I know Jimmy has worked with him a handful of times over the years as well. Um, he's, he's owned several different companies, um, and sold them off and, and, um, but uh, he has put together some amazing uh, amazing pieces of art. And I know that this this, is, gets, this this pool in particular is one of his masterpieces because it gets used a lot. Uh, I see it all over the internet in different circumstances all the time. They called it the dragon pool, you know? And so it's got this big dragon wrapping around some, some big uh, flowers in the bottom. And there's a piece the asian fan over there on the left in the shallow end as well um
0: but uh that's another one that i could just keep looking at and you just find more and more and more details
1: i mean it's it's pretty amazing right Uh, and it's one of those things i wish i had a lot more you know photos of it and close-ups of the detail work and everything because uh because yeah some of the stuff that i had done um with with rick as well was a lot of decorative decorative things um, You know uh decorative water lines that and and raised spas on the outside they they see a lot of real classical uh motif in it um but it's it's just uh you know there's so many little pieces and chips and and cuts and 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 i've been i've been to his warehouse a couple times and seen they have these big things constructed on the floor they put them all together on the floor and then they they face mount them with plastic. Um, and and then they number each piece and they send you the big puzzle to figure out how to put together yourself. And, and, know, in some circumstances, it's, it goes together really well. I know in particular, I I remember on this pool and another one that I did is that the odd shape of the pool is like, it was very difficult for him to recreate everything. And so you kind of, you, you get the whole puzzle piece down on the floor and it wraps up onto the walls and, um, you kind of end up with some blank spaces, you know, at, at a certain point. And then, you know, and then he, he sends you a whole bunch of chips and cuts and you, you got to kind of fill in gaps here and there to make it all work. Cause there's, I don't believe that there was any square tile on, <laughs> in that whole, in this whole pool. Like it, it was all done out of chips and, and cut pieces and, and broken pieces and, and, uh, you know so it's like you just got to kind of freeform it, and fill it in in the end there always seemed to be like a, a little uh open space in some circumstances you know
0: now how about the blue is the blue actual plaster or was that actual tiled
1: as well oh, it's, it's all tile as well so and okay. it's there were several different colors in the blend i think um and uh they we had like the the deck uh was all done in lompoc stone and then they continue that down into the steps into the pool um i believe the spa was all tile just a blue tile a blue. Mix. yeah it looks like it um and, and again this was like back around 2000 so Well, And
0: and it looks like very cut in age for the uh, for the time, because uh, I'm looking at that main drain cover in the spa and that's actually color matched and and everything, which is, you know, something that that I feel like is finally getting its due in the industry. But back in this era, that was uh, that was pretty unusual. So, um, yeah, I was a really I really enjoyed um, that photo. There's one other specific one that I was looking for. I um, uh, think with Ben, yeah, oh, that,
1: yeah, love
0: yeah. acrylic. I mean, that just, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, you can't. It's interesting. Just go
1: yeah, ahead. It's hard to hard to make acrylic look bad. <laughs> it always looks good. Yeah, this thing with Ben with the, uh, yeah,
0: this was the one that I was looking at.
1: Yeah, because it's like, uh yeah, just a giant pool there, and uh, yeah.
0: 50 by 80 or 50 sorry 50 by 18 i mean right. that is
1: 150 yeah, ton crane i think that had to lift it in there yep
0: uh, yep just huge but you can actually see so this is a great perspective, I loved this photo because you could see, uh, you know, Ben's got his, his coffer here. Um, and all of the waterproofing is underneath these, uh, the, the carpeting here. Um, this is all drainage mat, um, which, which serves two purposes in a situation like this. Not only does it create more drainage, um, uh, pathways for the actual, uh, any water that's going to get underneath, uh, but it also protects the, um, the, the waterproofing as this thing sets down and kind of you know moves back and forth and they get it kind of shimmed and and moved into place uh, but yeah this is a um i believe this is a bradford pool uh, really always interesting to see um you know everybody I, I loves the pretty pictures but i know you and i we enjoy these pictures almost just as much because you can see Kind of the skeleton, how it's built, you can start to make out some of the the piping that's all coming and it's all uh, penetrating out the sides here. So these come all pre-plumbed. You can actually get them pre-finished. You can, um, you know, kind of run the gamut with them. We're working with them right now on a uh, on a rooftop job in Newport Beach. Um, and yeah, we're in the middle of shop drawings and literally they will put everything wherever you want it, uh, however many lights and and all of that. So we're speccing all of that out right now. But uh, this was just really interesting uh, to see kind of the size of this thing. And yeah, this one did make me go, wow, for sure. For sure. <laughs> it was one other, uh, uh, and I got to, I got to give it to Jeff Hampi. Um, this is one of my favorite photos of all time. This is not a. Um, this is not a Photoshop. This is not. Yeah,
1: anything. I've seen this before, and I can't remember where it is, but it's uh, it's like in Norway. Norway, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, it would, lo- it would be something I'd love to love to visit someday and see in person for sure. Yeah,
0: for sure. So i'm going to turn uh turn uh the page just a little bit um you know uh, everybody that knows me knows that i love surfing and so uh this was the first time uh, so this is the uh, world surf tour uh, that just happened um here in california it's the first time they've actually given you pulled back shots uh, so you can actually look at the wave pool but this is um, this kind of the future of surfing uh, and the Olympics and um, you know, this is, For places that do not have surfing, um, you know, do not have a coastline, uh, now that the uh, surfing is a part of the Olympic Summer Games, I have a feeling you're going to be seeing a lot more wave pools throughout the world. Um, So something that I'm super intrigued by. And um, coming up at the Dallas show, we're trying to see if the wave pool in Waco is going to be open. And if it is, it's pretty late in the year, uh, end of November. So I don't know that we will be able able to take a trip down there but i am just intrigued uh, by the whole technology how they keep these pools clean just everything the, the mechanism the entire thing this is just um you know i could geek out on these things all day long this one in the video is in southern california you said no the- it's up in the central valley uh, okay. it's like a hundred something miles from the coast uh, okay. in a little cow town called Lemoore, california oh yeah so, yeah, uh,
1: was,
0: yeah yeah, kind of fresno ish area right, right. yeah exactly All right. um just want to touch on this a little bit. This was an intriguing thing that I know you and I talked about a little bit. Um, so there's a, a pretty big conversation happening within the industry. Um, we haven't followed it enough to really um, kind of talk about it. Um, but uh, the, the gist of it is um, Mike Holmes, um, the I think he's a HGTV star, um, Homes on Homes, uh, kind of created this chart for his clients. And it was uh, very much um, critiqued by many within our industry as a biased chart. Um, uh, And and so there's different opinions uh, based on, you know, different regions of the country. I think the biggest critique that I saw from this was that this uh, this comparison chart was created or was shared by uh, so-called expert Mr. Holmes um, as a an impartial um, comparison, uh, but then you come down and you see that it's actually created by a fiberglass manufacturer company, and I think that was some of the critique is that you know this was more of a sales piece rather than an actual. Um, Kind of uh, uh, unbiased opinion, and and so, uh, but you can see this is uh, this conversation is going deep. It's 798 comments here. I know that on uh, the Talking Pools Facebook page, um, they've kind of engaged this whole conversation as well. And Mike Holmes has engaged over there. There are a couple hundred comments deep there. Uh, So it's definitely something happening in the pool industry. And so if you're so inclined and intrigued, to go find it. And uh, with 800 here and 200 elsewhere, I mean, there's your weekend reading for... um, you know, the next, uh, the rest of July, if you want to dive further into any of this.
1: Yeah, and I think some of the take home on this too, is that, and I, I've learned this a lot more in the last few years, uh, um, interacting more across the country with people and that, you know, different regions have different requirements. They have different soils conditions, different freeze-thaw conditions. You know, it's, I, I don't think that in, in general, that any one of these three types of pools is better than the other across the board. You know, it really kind of depends on your demographic, your soils conditions, your freeze-thaw conditions um, and uh, availability of product, I think too, because I I don't think that, you know, uh, fiberglass pools are, are widely, I mean, granted you can get anything from anywhere nowadays, but, it's like they're not widely pushed in Southern California. I know that. You know that there are there are a handful of, uh, of vinyl liner pools I know of, and I've seen a few here and there. Um, you know, but on but our our side of the, the world, it's it's mostly gunite, and um, and I know like in the middle of the country, it's there's a lot more vinyl liner and, and fiberglass pools in the middle of the country. You know. Um, I believe I think I heard somewhere that there are more
0: fiberglass pools installed um, than uh, vinyl and gunite uh, put together. So um, it is a very significant portion of our industry, and um, you know it's it's a uh, it's kind of a shame that we've all siloed uh, and that you know gunite builders don't really know. Um, you know fiberglass builders and and don't really know vinyl builders and so um you know a lot of the logistics are identical though you know it, we still have to move water we still have to have plumbing we still have to have energy efficiency uh and so the uh the guts itself are really the same no matter yeah, what vessel yeah, you're dealing with
1: i mean it's it's all hydraulics is hydraulics no matter where you go so, <laughs> so yeah you know, and so so yeah it's it's uh it's a true Two statement there for sure it's just different shells for different different places basically
0: yep so i'm going to turn it over to you you had a couple of things that you wanted to share as well
1: yeah let me let me see that was the one i had up um oh this is one i have right here is uh um, uh, all right so um so, yeah, I just, uh, it's funny, I, I see this periodically about uh, hurricanes, you know, I mean, hurricanes happen every year in, on, on the East Coast, there Florida has to deal with it annually, basically, and sometimes, you know, sometimes more than once a year, um, and I, it's, it's I don't know, it was, it's just fascinating to me, because, you know, people always say, oh, you got earthquakes there, you know, it's like, well, you know, the worst i've seen with earthquakes for the most part is like it empties half the pool from shifting so much but it's like it doesn't in general it doesn't do the amount of earthquakes we have here and the amount of damage is not you know it's not commensurate with each other you know it's like there's earthquakes almost daily here um nothing ever you know for the most part nothing causes major damage ever but it seems to me like hurricanes causing major damage at least you know every two or three years there's one that's super major you know and, and 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 i i i often think about this just around here is is you know during the winter time we'll have some windy days and i often think about oh, i'm so glad that i am not a pool guy and i, I don't mm-hmm. i'm not a pool service guy <laughs> and i can't can't imagine what you have to deal with on the east coast with hurricanes it's just got to be horrendous um, well yeah
0: you got the rain you got the mud you got the everything i mean it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's
1: like it's like here when the wind blows yeah you get a lot of extra leaves, maybe but it's like man it just seems like you'd have the whole all the lawn furniture in there the trees and mud and everything. exactly um but this is a you know it's i'm sure this is going to be a topic a hot topic of discussion in the coming week or so because i think it's supposed to be hitting pretty soon here um, yeah where, it looks
0: like um yeah late tonight monday 2 a.m south florida it looks right. like
1: there you go um see so yeah, i just wanted to bring that up too is is we don't have to deal with them as much as they do but yep um and then i did also have this one other one if i could get to it now how do i do that again so now I get all. i just back.
0: change your tab up on the top
1: yeah no but. So no, nope, not that one. Keep going. <laughs> no, it's uh, something else. I got to get out of this. There we go. Hey, right. there we go. Maybe that's the one. Okay, sorry. Um, yeah. So this is just this is just kind of a random text mess message thread that I saw, but it, it's it was um it's it was. The, the basic gist of it is I think is, is kind of and what I've seen a lot of in the last few weeks is about um, a lot of uh, unruly people and, and it's it, it, around the 4th of July. And I, and I always, I say this to myself every year. is like, I, I, I tend to block this out almost every year, but it's like, the weeks leading up to Memorial day and the weeks leading up to 4th of July are like the busiest in our industry. And I somehow block that out every year and, and forget about it until it's right upon me. And then, <laughs> and then all of a sudden people are calling on um, Thursday before the weekend that their, they, you know, their heater is out and they need, they need a new heater or whatever it is, you know? And, and um, yeah, and we, you know, it's just, we deal with this every year um, in the industry. And I, I think too, is, uh, I kind of noticed it looking at Facebook that last week it was kind of you know it was kind of quiet for Facebook, um, and I think that everybody was just so busy just prepping for the Fourth. I think and get getting things fixed up that hadn't been fixed yet, and and you know I don't know, I don't know if there's still people that are that that are seasonal that are still getting pools going you know right right before the Fourth or if they've gotten them filled and started by then or not, but um, you know it's uh, it's a big thing in our industry and, and, and people, you know, tend to, there's a lot of emotions that flow and the, you know, uh, clients get pissed off and, and they don't quite understand the load of work that we have. And, and especially nowadays, you know, that our industry is, is at unprecedented levels. And on top of that, you, you, you put this holiday traffic on top of that too. And it just, you know, gets exponential and crazy. Uh, yep but uh yeah that was all i just wanted to kind of put well, that, that
0: kind of tease up um uh what we've been working on behind the scenes um a little bit and just talking about we're um uh, all of the the leaders within Ask the Masters, uh, you and me and JC and Rick Chafee and, and Dave Rockwell and Michelle Cavanaugh and, and kind of all of us, uh, Randy Beard, um, we're all reaching out to different people within the industry and um, uh, we're trying to create a real short video um, that we're going to have up on YouTube that you uh, that. Uh, in order to kind of educate um, clients, and when you you get an IRA client on the phone saying, "Hey, gosh darn it, why can't I get uh, you know this or that or whatever," um, you know, you can just say, "Hey, go watch this video. These are some." Some of the, uh, the the people in the know in the industry, and so the ideas that we'll have these short snippets from manufacturing from distribution from chemical manufacturers from uh, from everybody just talking about how widespread everything is you know it is making it on the news and that, uh, but our industry um, is is in this really unique position, um, unprecedented uh, for even other industries you know you have you have building material shortages from, uh, you know, from housing and and all of that, um, and and so we're experiencing that. Uh, but then you add in the fact that we have the freeze in Texas, which just decimated the entire. Um, you know, so many equipment pads just got completely destroyed, and and through no fault of anybody's. So uh, take all of the the supply chain issues that we would be having, you know, similar to the rest of the world, the rest of the construction community, and then add in this massive load of all of these problems that uh, that that were generated by the Texas freeze, and then. Um, you know, resin plants going down and chlorine facilities uh, being shut down. Um, You know, it it really seems like as an industry, um, can't get a break uh, and and just one after another after another. Uh, But then, you know, I like to take a step back and look around and go, man, you know, we are so blessed to be in this industry because we have been just going gangbusters and people want what we have to be offering. So
1: yeah, and you, you just I keep hearing from so many people, they're six months to a year out before they can take any more, you know, appointments or projects. And you, you know, I think that the clients who have not already acted long ago or are the, the potential clients out there have got to really be struggling to get people to even talk to them nowadays. <laughs> I think, you know, it's and I, I get those calls all the time. It's like they can't get anybody to talk to them, and I'm like, I'll talk to you, you know. I'd, <laughs> still get to start for six months but i'll talk to you yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yep all right well
0: um these are kind of fun we're going to try and do these uh we're going to try and mix and match um everybody that kind of does these so these will be a little bit more timely um and that but um you know if if anything intrigued you guys um you know share it in the comments down below. Or if you have anything that is uh, that, that you see on Facebook or social or anything pool-related and, and you think it's worthy of being talked about, either put it in the comments below here on YouTube or you can send us private messages through Facebook, through any of our social media channels. Um, and as always, uh, please like and subscribe if you haven't. Uh, that allows us to continue to Um, get content out there Uh, and uh, again you know I've said it many times and none of us are in this to make any money Uh, we are here to uh, just enrich the industry and this industry has given back so much to me and I happen to be just you know that that um, half a step uh, in front of some of you and and uh, I just enjoy being able to give back and being able to to uh, you know give back to the industry that has given me so much over the years. And I know you very much have that similar heart, Kevin.
1: I concur with that statement completely. And I, I love to teach. So and i love to share my wealth of knowledge that I've developed over 35 years. So, um, any of you just always feel free to reach out to me. if You ever have any questions.
0: All right. Well, that is it for this week. Um, anything uh anything intriguing that you have
1: coming up me <laughs> <laughs> um just a construction defect thing i've been trying to get off the ground that's intriguing it's a oh, lot yeah. of defects that we're gonna uh, probably do a whole big story on you know because it was so many problems with it with somebody who is not a pool builder trying to build a, a very extensive pool so
0: yeah yeah, that's I, I'm 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 anxious to get that one going, and we're going to do a lot of documentation. And just to clarify, this is not a construction defect that you're having to defend yourself against. This is one that you have been right. brought in as an expert, and uh, and we're going to be rebuilding this pool for the client. And you know, it's really um, it's really kind of a shame um, what has taken place. And. Uh, but uh client is in good hands with you and we will be documenting that and sharing it in future podcasts. Yeah. All right. All right well, thanks for tuning in and we will see you back here next week.